This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. All right, so we've been in this series, we've been calling it New Year, New You, and we've been talking about change, and I've kind of kicked off each weekend with this very bold assertion, 2019 will be the best year of your life. Now, that's a bold statement. 2019 will be the best year of your life. How many of you want 2019 to be the best year of your life? Just raise your hand. Amen. Amen. We want that. We want that. We want to always look ahead and say, that's the best year. This is going to be the best time. We're going to, we're going to cross barriers. We're going to go beyond where we've ever been. Those kind of things just surface every time around the beginning of the year. We want it to be the best year. But how can I say, stand up here and say to you, hey, 2019 is going to be the best year of your life unless there's a condition attached to it. And here's the condition. If, if it's your best year spiritually. So if you really want 2019 to be the best year of your life, then the place to focus on is your spiritual walk, your spiritual life. And so we kicked off a series talking about change. And how change happens not from the outside in, like we often do with, uh, we think about New Year's resolutions, right? New Year's resolutions are about losing weight, about eating right, about exercising more, about getting better with our finances, about getting better with our relationships, you know, and all that kind of, those are all kind of external things. And we expect to change those, and by changing those, we will find satisfaction and happiness, and there is a measure of that. You do get some satisfaction if you, if you spend less and save more. There's a sense of satisfaction you get. But true happiness is not found there. See, true change, real change happens from the inside out. And so we were talking about how there needs to be an alignment between the things that we desire in life and our heart. God wants our heart but oftentimes it's conflicted because there are things that we desire that don't line up with, with what God wants in our heart. And so we challenge you to, to bring alignment into your heart, to, to run after God, to hunger for God. Then last week we talked about how if 2019 is going to be your best year spiritually, then you're going to have to find spiritual community. This year our theme is Grow Small. The idea is, you know, right, right now we're all sitting in rows. You're sitting in, in places where you're looking at in, in this direction. I'm speaking to you, and I can speak about a variety of different things. Some things might hit on target for you, and other things you might, like, ah, I already know that, or I don't care, or I don't know about that stuff. It may mean nothing to you. And that's why you need to be sitting in circles as well where you can have face-to-face conversations with individuals, where people who are walking this life, this Christian life, this, this walk of faith, they're walking alongside with you, and you guys know what's going on in each other's life. You're praying for each other. You're lifting each other up. So we encourage you to get into to spiritual. Today, what I want to do is I want to address a shift that has to happen in our thinking, in our mind, in order for spiritual growth to happen. And really what I'm addressing more than anything else is more of a a cultural phenomenon of the American church because many churches outside, particularly in third world countries, don't have this dichotomy like we have. Uh, But but it's something I think is very important for us to hear and understand. And I think it would be revolutionary for you you if you 
hold on to, you take it on. Uh, let me, let me kind of illustrate it this way. The other day I was in a grocery store and I was walking down an aisle and as I walked down an aisle, there was a family that was, they were like shopping this aisle and there was like a whole family, like a mom and dad and a couple kids. <clears throat> and there was a little girl that was standing with the family. As soon as I passed by, she looked at me, like she made eye contact with me and began to point and you could tell she was getting excited, you know, like, oh, you know, and I thought, who, I started looking behind me. Who's she looking at? You know, it's not me because I don't even know who this person is, you know. And so I just kind of kept walking and then I went down another aisle, you know, a couple aisles down. I was standing in this aisle. Somebody came behind me and tapped me on the shoulder and said, pa- Pastor Rich, Pastor Rich. Real excited. Hey, we go to your church. <laughs> we go to your church. You know, like that. Real excited. You know, I'm like, okay, calm down. <laughs> All right, you go to church, right? But they kept using this language, go to church. In fact, repeat that with me. Go to church. Say this, say it out loud. Go to church. Kind of like go to the movies, right? Or go to the mall or go to a dental office or whatever. That's what they kept saying, right? So I started having a conversation with them, you know. I discovered that they had a lot of issues in their life. They had finance issues, money issues. They had kid issues, you know. Um, they asked me to pray for finances. They asked me to pray for their kids, and then the, the dad was, I was talking with the dad and kind of pulled me aside and said, yeah, my marriage is struggling too. And started t- you know, talking about marriage issues, you know. And, and so I'm listening to this and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm trying to encourage him, you know, having a real brief conversation in the grocery store. And uh, I'm trying to encourage him. And then I started thinking, well, I've never really seen this family before. You know, I don't, you know, are you sure you attended Life Church and kind of piecing, trying to put the pieces of the puzzle together and discovered that the last time they were here at Life Church was Easter last year, you know, like 10 months ago, nine months ago. And so, uh, and so I, I kept hearing it, but suddenly my, I, my hearing was just like invaded with another thought, you know, I just like, I don't know, I need to say something to this guy. And so right in the middle of the conversation, I said something to him that, that probably surprised him. I think it's going to probably surprise some of you as well. Um, but he needed, it to, he needed to hear it. His wife needed to hear it. And I think maybe some of you sitting here today need to hear it as well. And I said, here, you know what I think you need to do to this guy? I said, you know what I think you need to do? I think you need to stop going to church. And some of you here need to stop going to church. Now, what I wanted them to understand, now don't leave church right now. Okay. What I want them to understand is that God's highest calling for them is not go to church. God's highest calling for you is not go to church. God's highest calling for you is not a building or a destination. That's not God's highest calling for you. God's highest calling for you is to be shaped into the image of Christ. To become more like Jesus. In fact, being a follower of Jesus Christ is more than just going to church. It's being planted into the family of God. It's being the church. It's an identity thing. So I want to say to you today, today, stop going to church. Instead, be planted in the family of God. So let me explore this idea of planting and going to church, this contrast here. In Psalm 92, 12, it says this, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a, like a cedar of Lebanon. 
Now here the psalmist is basically saying that the righteous are going to flourish. Now flourish is a word that we don't really commonly use in our everyday. It's a technical word that we use. It's a common word technically speaking. But it's not necessarily a word that we use in common language, right? Like if you ask me, hey Rich, how are you doing? You're not going to hear me say, I'm flourishing, right? Oh, maybe you would hear me say that. I don't know. I wouldn't say that actually. Like Brady today, you know, in the Super Bowl, he's not going to huddle up with these guys and he's not going to look at them and say, hey, O-line, you guys are just so flourishing, right? He's not going to use that word. It's not a word that we commonly use. But yet it's a word that gives us a great image of what being planted looks like and what it is, right? What does flourish mean? It means growing, prospering, thriving, being a blessing to others, Right, growing spiritually. And so the psalmist here, he says, hey, we should be flourishing, right? And he compares us to two trees, a cedar and a palm. The cedar tree was kind of known as a, as a, 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 a durable tree. In fact, Solomon built more than half of the temple out of cedar. Why did he do that? Because it was built to last for centuries, it's durable. It's durable. So cedar is durable. So when you're planted, you're like a cedar. You're durable. You're strong. You're, you're lasting. Is that something that would characterize your life? Your Christian walk? We say my Christian walk is strong. It's durable. It's lasting. Is that how you would characterize your, your Christian walk? He also compares it to a palm tree. In biblical imagery, a palm tree was symbolic of triumph. Symbolic of victory. In fact, when Jesus, remember, Jesus, before he was crucified, he was coming into Jerusalem, and he was riding on a donkey, and they were laying palm branches down, and they were waving palm branches. You know what they were saying? He's the victorious king. He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He is victorious. He's the champion. In the Roman era, Olympic champions, their trophy was not, you know, some cast thing that was made. Their trophy was a palm branch. Can you imagine Wrestling champion walking around with a palm branch? <laughs> it's kind of funny in our culture, but that's what it meant back then. They were victorious. They were triumphant. So when the psalmist says the righteous, the righteous will flourish, he's talking about strength. He's talking, he's talking about victory. He's talking about triumph. So if you ask me, Rich, how are you doing? Are you flourishing? Yes, I'm flourishing. Yes, I'm strong. Yes, I'm, I'm stable. Yes, I'm growing. Yes, I'm alive. Goes on, verse 12. He says, uh, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like the cedar of Lebanon. Who are these who have flourished? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord. They're planted in the house of They will flourish in the courts of our God. It doesn't say those who go to church will flourish. It says those who are planted in the house of the Lord. I love the imagery here that the psalmist is kind of giving us. In fact, look what it says in verse 14. It says, they will still bear fruit in old age. <laughs> That's a word for me, right? Because when you get, to, you know, you, I'm not old. I'm 55, okay, so I'm not old. But when you start getting in this realm, you start having, you know, you start thinking of like retirement kind of thoughts, you know, like, do I have enough retirement? Do I... What about the house? And you can start having those kind of thoughts, you know. Where, what, where are our grandkids living, you know? Fortunately, all of our grandkids live here, so that's good for us, you know. And you start having those kind of thoughts, right? And you start thinking, am I productive? 
Am I bearing fruit? Is my life relevant anymore? Am I, do I have anything to offer? Do I have anything to give? And I love the promise the psalmist gives. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock. So when you're planted, not just attending, you're growing spiritually. You're strong. You have faith. You succeed. You thrive. You prosper. You increase. That's what the psalmist is promising to anybody who is planted. Unfortunately, there's many of us who would carry the name Christian, and that's not our story. That's not our experience. Instead of flourishing, we're spiritually dry. Instead of thriving emotionally, we're emotionally withering. Instead of being relationally connected, we're relationally barren. Instead of prospering financially, we're strapped financially instead of being fulfilled you see when you say i'm a follower of jesus christ i'm a christian it implies something it implies fulfillment and yet too often we're searching for fulfillment in so many other places right so let me ask you are you planted or are you just going to church Are you planted or are you just going to church? If 2019 is going to be your best year spiritually, I challenge you to ask yourself that question. Because the only way it's going to happen is if you're planted. A couple ideas I want us to consider. First of all, your life, my life, your life is like a seed. It's like a seed. Seed, why why do I say that? Well, a seed has tremendous potential. Do you know that? A little seed has incredible amount of potential, right? It has the potential to grow, to thrive, to multiply, to produce fruit, to be a blessing to others. But that same seed unplanted lies dormant. That same seed unplanted basically is unfruitful, unproductive. It's barren. It's dissatisfied. And your life is like a seed. A seed, a seed can only grow if it's planted. And so when we're talking about being your best year spiritually, you need to understand something. If you want to grow spiritually, you've got to be planted. Jesus gives us an amazing story in Matthew chapter 13. It's, it's a parable. It's called the parable of the, of the sower or the parable of the farmer. And he talks about a seed. Now, the seed that when Jesus talks about the seed, he's talking about the seed as the word of God. But he, it's a great illustration for us. Basically, that seed, this farmer casts the seed out. He sows the seed out in the fields, right? And it lands on four different types of ground. And then he can make, makes a little bit of an analogy. The first ground it lands on, it lands on the path, it says. This path is hard packed. It's where people walk. And so the path is hard. It's, it's solid dirt, And so when the seed lands on it, it doesn't have the ability of penetrating into the dirt, so it sits on the top. It doesn't get planted, and the birds of the air come and they take it away. The second type of ground that Jesus talks about is rocky rocky soil. Basically, it's soil where a seed lands, it takes root, but because it's rocky, it's shallow. And so when the sun starts beating down on that plant, it begins to wither away because it doesn't have the capacity or the sustenance to survive the heat. And for our purposes, you know, when trials come, 
when challenges come, when difficulties come, when fire comes to our life. And I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You've experienced fire in your life. If you're not planted, you wither away. And the third ground that he talks about is this good soil, but it's soil that's full of weeds. The plant actually does take root. It does get planted. I mean, the the seed does get planted. But the problem is that there's all these other weeds around it and it begins to choke out the, the nutrients. And it just withers away. It dies. It's the cares of life, Jesus says. When, when, we're, when we have all of these concerns, all of these cares that, that overwhelm us, money or relationships or all kinds of other things, occupation, and we stay worried about it, before long, we find ourselves dying spiritually. And then there's this fourth ground, and the fourth ground is this good soil, and it flourishes, and it produces a crop that's 100 times or 60 times or 30 times the amount of seed that was sown. Seed that gets planted, it produces. And your life is like a seed. Your life is like a seed. But if it gets planted, spiritually speaking, you become spiritually productive. I know I'm using language like spiritual and all of that, and we may have a variety of different understandings of what that means. But I think every single one of us in this room can acknowledge something. God, we want more from you. We want more in you. We want to be more thriving more spiritually. You've got to be planted. You've got to be planted. You can only grow spiritually if you're planted. Second thing I want you to catch here is that going to church isn't the same as being planted. Going to church isn't the same as being planted. Every Sunday there's this common conversation that happens. Maybe it happened in your home this morning and the question surfaced. Maybe dads got up in the morning and said, hey, are we going to church today? You know, it's kind of been a tough week. I had to shovel a lot of snow and kind of tired. I had to, because Wednesday was off, I had to work on Saturday and just kind of exhausted right now. It's just been a tough week. You know, are we going to church today? And maybe, maybe you say, okay, well, maybe we'll go to church, but let's make sure to go to Chili's after church, you know, so we're going to go out to eat after church. That's the, that's the going to church question that oftentimes happens in our culture, in our very church culture, right? But when you're planted, that's rarely a question that's asked. You don't ask, are you going to church? Because here's the thing, church for you is not a destination, it's a question of identity. Like, I don't get up in the morning and say, hey, do, should I breathe air today? I don't. My lungs are built with this involuntary action to basically breathe in air every single day. And when I'm planted, when I'm planted, there's this involuntary. Now, I'm not talking about church attendance. Just in case you're wondering, you're confused, like, well, yeah, are you talking about don't ever miss a church Sunday morning service? That's not, you shouldn't. You should try to be here every time. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about if the question for you is, I'm a Christian, or the answer for you is, I'm a Christian because I go to church, then you're missing the point. No, I'm a Christian because I am planted into the family of God. In fact, the Greek word for the, for the word church that we use in English, church, comes from the German, kirke, which 
and has nothing, no association with the Greek word, which is ekklesia. Ekklesia basically means gathering or assembly. So right now you are ekklesias, whatever, <laughs> however you say that in Greek to English, whatever. You are here, you're gathered. You've come to the, you've assembled together. And so that's kind of a superficial meaning of the word ekklesia, but there's actually a deeper meaning because the word ekklesia comes from two Greek words, ek, which means out of, and kaleo, which means called. And so really the church is the called out ones. The ekklesia are the called out ones. You've been called out of something. You've been called out of your old life. You've been called out of your alcoholism. You've been called out of your lying and cheating. You've been called out of your illicit relationships. You've been called out of things. That's the church. So we've been called out of the world, but we've also been called into the world as light in darkness. And that's who we are if we're planted. You see, as we shift our understanding of what church is, we discover that the church doesn't exist for me. See, there's a misconception, there's an idea that, there's this idea that that I I go to church, I go to a church because they have everything I need. They provide everything I need. They have good kids ministry. They have good music. Preaching's okay. You know, (laughs) parking. I I need to be able to park close to the building because I don't want to park far away. It's cold outside. And we look at church from a very consumeristic mindset. But when you are planted, you discover church doesn't exist for me. I exist for the glory of God. I am the church, and I exist for the glory of God. That's really what we're talking about here, this distinction. So let me ask you again. Are you planted, or are you just going to church? That's why we say around here, come just as you are, but don't stay that way. See, every single one of us in this room, we walked into a church building at some point in our life. Maybe, maybe it wasn't a church, but maybe it was in another circumstance or another situation. But for most of us, we walked into a church building, and we walked in maybe broken, hurting, divorced, recently divorced, struggling with an addiction, lost and confused. Maybe, maybe none of that stuff. Maybe very self-reliant. You thought you had it all together, you've got all the money in the world, you've got all the looks, you've got everything, but you still haven't found happiness. But you walked into a church and you experienced something. You experienced a savior, Jesus Christ. Listen, your salvation was not because you walked into the building. Your salvation is because you met a person, the person of Christ. Church is not a destination. It's an identity, it's who we are. And so this savior that you met invites us on a journey. Everybody's welcome. Everybody's welcome. Come just as you are, but don't stay that way. He invites you on a journey of transformation and change. He invites you to, to let go of old habits, to break the cycles of sin, to reorient your worldview because oftentimes we come with a very funky worldview, a worldview that's been informed by so many other things out there. And God wants to reorient our worldview to a biblical worldview. It's this journey. So when we say don't stay that way, that's what we're talking about, is becoming planted into the family of God. So are you, again, are you just going to church or are you just planted? 
So what happens when you're planted? My time is running fast past me, but first thing is your roots grow deep. Your roots grow deep. Jeremiah 17, 8 says this. They, talking about those who trust in the Lord, they are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat. Do you have any heat in your life? Any financial heat? Any relational heat? Any, any work heat? It says such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. See, when you're planted, your roots grow deep. Your roots grow deep, and they're not easily shaken. In Northern California, you have the, you know, the great Redwood National Park. And I have a picture here of this tree. And uh, these trees, these redwood trees can grow 30 stories, 300 plus feet tall. Can you imagine that? 30 feet wide, so wide that a car, a tunnel can be carved out of the tree. That tree's still alive, by the way. But a tunnel can be carved out of, the, out of a tree, and the tree and a, and a car could drive through it. And you wonder, I think about those trees. I'm like, how do they survive storms? They're so tall. How do they survive storms? And then California is prone to earthquakes. How do they survive earthquakes? What you need to understand is that their root system is pretty extensive. Their roots can grow 150 feet below ground. 150 feet. They also grow laterally, 100 to 100 feet laterally. There's other redwood trees that may be in, in close proximity, and those, those roots begin to intertwine beneath the ground. They begin to intertwine with each other so that the, the trees actually help each other stand up and stay up. Beneath the ground where nobody sees, there's a support system that sustains, sustains strength and allows this tree to grow above the ground. And really, that's what we need in the body of Christ. We need each other, right? We need each other. We need each other to be planted. You see, this week, you're going to face some trials. This week, you're going to face some challenges. This week, you're going to face some opposition. This week, you're going to have you know, some crazy people in your life. And if you don't, you can borrow some of mine. I'll definitely have some crazy people in my life this week, right? You're going to have that. But if you're all alone, if you're not planted and not rooted... You're susceptible to falling. In fact, I don't think the enemy of your soul minds at all if you're not planted. In fact, I, I'm pretty sure he's sitting right now on your shoulder just whispering, ah, don't listen to him, just go to church. Just go to church. He doesn't mind that you're not connected. He's probably whispering to you, hey, you don't have time for a life group. You don't have time to, you know, to spend so much time at church, the church building, serving other people. You don't have time for that. Your life is too busy. It's too complicated. But I guarantee you that's not what God is saying to you. Are you planted or are you just going to church? See, when you're planted, your roots grow deep. So also, your roots, your roots will produce fruit. The same verse there in Jeremiah 17, 18, it says, They are like trees planted along the riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green, and they never stop producing fruit. When you're planted, you are productive. I don't know if you're like me. 
I like to be productive. I like my downtime, but man, if I didn't do anything at all all day long, I feel kind of worthless. Your life, your life starts to birth new life when you're planted. You give life away when you're planted. That's what life is all about, is learning to give life away. In fact, when people interact with you, you should be life-giving. When people interact with you, they walk away and say, man, I feel so much better. That conversation was so much, so encouraging for me because you're giving forth life. You You can only give forth life if you're planted. There's nothing more beautiful than being productive spiritually. We have a picture here of Luke Hoagland. There's Luke. Luke's not here, is he? Is Luke here today, right now? No? Yeah, he, he skipped church. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's probably watching. Luke? <laughs> uh, Luke, that's a very small fish, by the way. Just want you to know that. <laughs> he's also a big fisherman. I picked out, there's actually, I went on, on his Facebook page and I, follow, I saw a bunch of pictures where he had these like gigantic fish. I picked the one with the smallest fish I could find just to harass him, but he's out here. Luke, Luke is five years plus sober today. Amen. I remember years ago when I sat down with him and Sarah and we had conversation and circled around this whole alcohol and addiction and all that kind of stuff and... And he made a decision years ago to be planted. He got planted. But see, planting allows you to grow roots, but it does more than that. It helps you become productive. And so now Luke, a few years back, decided, I need to help others. And so he started Celebrate Recovery. And he leads our Celebrate Recovery group. He's not only himself being sober now for five plus years, but now he's helping other brothers and other brothers actually become sober as well. And he's producing, he's producing fruit. That's what it looks like when you're planted. You're productive spiritually. And I know, I mean, you don't have to raise your hand, but I know that's what you want for your life. So let's all stand. We're going to conclude here in prayer. And again, the question is this. Are you planted or are you just going to church? Are you planted or are you just going to church? And if you're just going to church, then stop going to church. Amen? And be planted into the family of God. Join a life group. In fact, let me just tell you something. Our prayer teams are moving up. Um, we're going to hear conclude in prayer in just a second. Our prayer teams are moving up, and so if you're here this morning, I would encourage you to come and pray with them. But you're just a choice away, one choice away. Your choice today to be planted will rescue you from a future divorce. Your choice today to be planted in the family of God will rescue you from a future financial crisis. Your choice today to be planted in a family of God can rescue you from a broken relationship with a son or a daughter. It's a choice to say, I'm not going to go just go to church anymore. I'm going to be planted into the family of God. That's a challenge for us this morning. Amen.
Let's pray. As we pray, our prayer teams will be here. I encourage you to uh, come and pray with them. Um, And then after we pray, we'll just dismiss. All right? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your loving. Father, your grace is amazing. It never ceases. It never ends. Every single one of us in this room, Lord, have experienced a measure of your grace at some level or another. Some of us in this room have been forgiven much, and we've experienced much grace. Others of us, maybe not so much, but we've experienced grace nonetheless. And yet there are some in this room, Father, that need to experience your grace. They are struggling with an alcohol addiction. They are struggling with a pornography addiction. They are struggling with, a, with, with other types of addictions. They are struggling with relational brokenness. They are struggling with hurts of the past, Father. And they need to experience your grace here this morning. And so, Father, I pray that you will just speak life and grace into them. And that, Lord, the decision, the choice today to surrender our hearts to you, to give our lives over to you, Father, will be more than just a choice to say, I believe, but it'll be a choice to be planted into the family of God. So, Father, help us today, we pray, to be planted and not just going to church. In Jesus' name, amen.